Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today, we discuss about user experience, how you can improve your user experience and get much uh, better results. I'm excited to discuss this topic with Kate Johnson. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be with you. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited uh, even more, you know, because uh, I check out your background on uh, LinkedIn. And yeah, I think you can share a lot of valuable insights. That's why it's better to listen uh, to the whole episode. And uh, let's start from your background. Why you decided this to, uh, to take this topic and uh, tell more about you? Okay, great. Um, so I have a background in engineering, systems engineering, imaging science, and I also am an artist. And um, one of the things that I've found is that the combination of this sort of creativity and engineering background has allowed me to communicate with both technical companies and the people they're trying to communicate with. And so a lot of what I do is try to facilitate the communication between the tech talk and human talk. And um, I have a lot of um, experience working with a ton of different companies in lots of different markets. Um, I'm a consultant, and um, one of the things that that's done is each experience that I've had with a company has brought me new skills so that I'm able to bring a different sensitivity to my next um, my next client. So um, I have official, you know, engineering background. I have a master's in systems engineering, so that helps me look at the system perspective. So when I decided that we would be talking, I'm really excited because I want to talk about something that's much more holistic than most people talk about. So Okay, great, great. You know, I, I think we can start from uh, your uh, another background about artists. Uh, does it help you uh, to get a much higher results uh, by improving user experience for your clients? Yes, because I am an idea generator. Like I, mm. I can't help it. My brain just like generates ideas. And so one of the things that is the coolest experience that I have with my clients is that I can generate all sorts of ideas without filtering. So mm. some of the ideas are good, some are bad, but what happens is in the conversation with a client, this really exciting thing happens where they'll say, no, 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 wait, we can't do that, but we could. And then all of a sudden they take ownership of the idea stream and then they start to think about things in a way that they hadn't before. So I kind of provoke a different way of thinking by bringing in my sort of wild creative mind um, so that they end up with something that feels right, fits well, they understand it's in their language, it's their creation. So I sort of provoke a change by asking questions and coming up with ideas. And so from a creative perspective, being an artist, there's a lot of moments in writing or moments in a painting where things could go very badly. And um, sometimes you just need to let them and then it comes back together. And so that experience with clients is something that um, it starts to feel like you kind of do this, this, this broadening of ideas and then it comes back together and all of a sudden there is something that's coherent, it's cohesive, it's in alignment. And it's really, the, those moments are really super beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, from, from my experience, uh, 
80% of all questions from my clients are the same, similar, and, you know, I, I decided to film videos uh, to save my time to reply to these questions. I have some articles I share with them. Uh, can you share uh, what uh, the most questions that uh, your uh, clients might ask you, uh, do you have such experience, you know, when uh, they ask uh, the same, the same many times, like John Mueller, you know, <laughs> he, he replies to, to the same questions uh, a thousand times, you know, I don't know <laughs> where he takes this patience, but um, he, yeah, he spends time to do it. What about your experience? Uh, uh, what clients uh, ask in the first attempt? Okay, so I'm I'm actually really super glad you asked that question because the answer is every single one of my customer experiences has been different. Um, so often something's going wrong, like something doesn't feel right to them. Um, they don't necessarily know who to ask about it. And um, during our conversation, there's, you know, I am so open like you can tell, I'm like, I'm just so open. People start to share things like, boy, I'm really uncomfortable about how this is going or how that is going. And as soon as they start to open up, then I end up getting a little peek into some of the core issues rather than the surface issues. Because if you don't fix that core issue, whatever the core issue is, like have a product, but don't have a market, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is different than how do we position this in the market? like what if there is no market to position it in right so um i'm trying to think if there's been you know sort of repeat questions i think a lot of it has to do with um you know i i end up being brand police for some people and i don't mean that in in a really hostile way but when they start to go off message um i've been asked more than once by companies to let them know when they're starting to go like mm -hmm. if they post something that's not um you know, uh, supportive of the brand that they're trying to create. So I guess that's the one thing that is consistent among, mm -hmm. you know, across a couple of uh, my clients, but yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, about clients, uh, uh, for example, uh, you know, you're a consultant, yeah, and you, mm -hmm. uh, you want to provide some valuable insights to your clients, uh, but uh, they know their products much better than anybody else, yeah, they develop, innovate, spend time to create these products. How you can analyze this user experience uh, if you have no such experience with these products and lead them in the right direction? Oh, I'm, that's a really great question, too. Um, so here's here's the thing. The thing. Um, first of all, I, I spin up pretty quickly so I can get enough of a sense of what's happening. Um, but I believe that user experience begins with the moment that a user becomes aware of your brand. Mm -hmm. So user experience doesn't necessarily just start when they use your stuff, whatever your stuff is. I, I And I should say I consult with tech companies. Hello. <laughs> I should say that. <laughs> tech companies. Um, that's my that's my happy place. Um, so using the actual equipment or the actual, you know, software as a service or whatever is sort of like almost the end. I believe that one of the most important things is positioning um, a very consistent and coherent growth of messaging towards the actual user experience so that when they get to the product, it already feels familiar because of the work that you've done positioning yourself and um, creating messaging and and user experience through like social media, um, podcasts, um, even the little snippets of how do you use our software, 
all that stuff. I think there there needs to be like a narrative that builds excitement. So by the time someone lands on your page and is checking out your free whatever or is about to click, I want a demo, they're in a place that feels familiar. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed is that um, companies are really, really great at social. You get to their company page on say LinkedIn and it feels like a different place. And then you get to their homepage and it's you don't even know who they are. Like there are different, so this this idea of integration of the user experience up, I mean, it, it starts at brand awareness. It starts at brand yeah. awareness, and and um, so that's probably where I have the most impact. Um, I am not a user interface um, designer, although I can crash mm -hmm. almost any software. I am very good. <laughs> I can crash almost anything. <laughs> if you need something tested, you can call me. I can crash anything, um, but the to me, user experience is more holistic now. It's not yeah. just interacting with the product. It starts much earlier. So, okay, uh, uh, how to create this uh, buyer journey? For example, um, I usually use content marketing. Yes, uh, I can cover mm -hmm. many channels: uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, podcasting. Uh, for my clients, uh, I can tell them uh, you, it's better to start a blog if you uh, have no. Um, experience with uh, audio and video format uh, to create some mm -hmm. awesome content, even social media. It's important um, uh, because uh, I often get the, the question, why I need to have social media if I want to get SEO traffic? Yeah, most customers check out social media profiles before buying products, you know, especially, uh, I don't remember exactly, it's like 95% of customers can... Uh, open your social media profiles uh, because they want to get trust. They want to know who you are. And uh, if you uh, provide value first, yeah, if you can uh, cover their journeys, uh, it, it does. Uh, I think it's a big mistake when uh, brands uh, try to sell and uh, don't care a lot about um, uh, a buyer journey because even if, if they set up a pay-per-click uh, advertisement, <laughs> people, customers might open and I don't know you. <laughs> Why I need to exactly. buy from you? Yeah. Uh, okay. Tell how how to uh, create this um, content plan or uh, to cover uh, by journey. Okay. So I truly believe that that's independent. Um, it's independent. No, it's absolutely individual um, to the company. So I can give you an example. Um, Let's imagine that you're doing software as a service because that's gonna be really easy to explain right now. Um, so software as a service, so people call it SaaS, with a big mm -hmm. S on the front and the big S on the end so no one gets confused about it being something else. So <laughs> software as a service is like anything that we're doing now. So YouTube, um, I don't know, uh, QuickBooks, um, uh, MailChimp, okay, I'm just making stuff mm -hmm. up. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So a lot of things have been, were sort of the first ones, and so they were the default, right? And then all of a sudden, there was this explosion of people creating all sorts of options. Some of these stuck around and some of them didn't. And so um, one of the reasons why you need to create a sort of buyer trust before they even buy, you know, before they even consider buying, unless they have lots of money and are just trying out six different things and choosing the one that they like at the end. Um, for most people, they want to have a sense that you're going to be there, that you have been there, that there's some sort of proof of um, continuity, and that you have a personality. Because one of the problems with software is that 
it starts to feel very, I don't know, either too cute or too just ugh. like it's it's just another interface. It just is another. I mean, so the buttons are a different color. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, I had something. I had something come up the other day on one of my um, one of my applica applications that I have got. On, I've got on my phone, and it said, you know, hey Kate, you're doing it, you know. And it was it was personalized to me. Yeah. Because I logged in and it gave me this little, you're doing it. And then we go moving on into the software. And I was like, oh, like that was awesome. That was an awesome experience. Like that mean, and, and it doesn't matter then if I'm working in um, uh, like, I don't know, financial software or, you know, a design software package or whatever. It made me feel seen and known. And I think, um, so if I were going to make suggestions to, um, to companies, it would be, you know, have a personality and then keep it consistent and let people get to know you. Like, what's your backstory? Like, what's your, wh how did this come to be? What, what was the, what was the passionate question that you answered? Like, why are you another one? What did you hate about the other ones? Don't say hate, but you know, what, what niche are you filling and why? And then with that comes a voice you need to have a human voice. You're talking to people. And I think one of the problems that happens a lot with tech folks in general, no offense, I am one, so I can say this about myself, is that there's tech talk. You know, there's internal language at a company, and then they take that and they put it in their marketing materials. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't use your internal <laughs> words for the external world. Make this information accessible to the outside world. What is this going to solve? Right. So imagine I'm scrolling through my LinkedIn and I come across, I'm going to give a great example and I am not affiliated except mm -hmm. by passion. So Chili Piper. Okay. They come out of nowhere. As far as I'm concerned, all of a sudden one day they're on my feed. I don't know where they are. I'm like, wow, what, who is, who is Chili Piper? What are they doing? So I start to follow them because they're doing some really interesting stuff. They've centered their people right? They're talking about the people who are making the product. They're not talking about the product. They're talking about the people who are making the product. So then I get curious, like, what's this product, right? Because what they've done is they've created such an interest in their, in their culture, in my case, like this culture of people centering. I'm like, oh, so that probably means that if I experience the journey with them, they're going to center me as a human, because they understand the importance of centering human beings in their messaging. Like, oh, that's really exciting. So I think that um, I would say my advice to anybody who is creating a brand for themselves and know what they're doing. Okay, so they've figured out what they're doing. They're creating this thing. They have a product, they have a service, they have a whatever, is to tell your story, keep your voice consistent, you know, be honest. Like, um, if you have a competitor, I had a question recently, if, you know, what happens when you have a competitor who's coming at you hard? It's like, mm -hmm. well, acknowledge they exist. <clears throat> yeah. Welcome, you know, welcome to the playing field, Bob. You know, um, you know, we noticed that you do some things that are really great. And, you know, this will be a fun competition, you know, just acknowledge that they exist. Don't pretend they don't, you know, don't bad talk them or whatever. And then make sure as you bring your, your potential buyer through the journey, they have a consistent experience. So as they land at the various levels, they get a consistent experience. And then that means when I talk to a salesperson, 
if you've positioned yourself as a human-centered company, then when I talk to a salesperson, that better feel like a conversation between two people. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, got to be consistent. Yeah, you, you remind me uh, uh, one time experience with uh, a client. Um, I opened his website and found that uh, on uh, the page about us, uh, he submitted uh, generic information with stock pictures. And oh I asked I ask him uh, why you didn't submit your personal pictures. And I opened his Instagram. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> he uh, posts uh, four or five times a day, many awesome pictures with his team. And on his website, he submitted just stock pictures uh, with smiling people. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, if you want to build trust, uh, it's better to share your story. Uh, how to craft your story? Story, For example, um, uh, I think that um, uh, some brands reply to me, uh, I don't know how to create my story. Uh, okay, uh, I, cre- I founded this company in uh, this year. Uh, I did this. I created this product. And uh, they don't know how to create the story, um, especially when uh, you check out their pages about us or uh, contact page and mm-hmm. um, um, for example uh, i remember one experience uh, one uh, example from uh, simon sanek and mm-hmm. uh, when he started to speak on uh, tit uh, he shared eight stories from different brands not his stories and uh, he, yeah and after this he uh, could build his uh, personal uh, name uh, what do you think uh, can we share our story uh, or um, uh, it's better to take some stories from uh, similar brands in your niche okay if you're going to use the similar brands to um, prove that there is a need for the product that's not being met and you use that sort of as a launching point. Um, this is what makes me different. This is what makes me better. This is what makes, you know, this is why I'm, this little niche that doesn't get covered by those big brands, you know, you need me because yeah. I cover that niche. Um, I think if you use that for con- contextualization, it can be useful. But I still think there's this question, you know, you know, sort of the, the first why, like why of all the things to make, why this? Right, you obviously you this person obviously has skills and thoughts and ideas and whatever. What cho- what made them choose this? Now it may be something that they don't want to share. Like this is lucrative. It's not my passion. I just want to make a shit ton of money. Excuse me, sorry, but that's how I talk. Okay, so like maybe that's their why, and they don't want to explain that. So you ask ask some more whys. Like okay, so why did you choose this? You know, where, what, what about this made you feel like this was the place that you could do that? And then as you're doing that, and as you're positioning yourself to sell, what are the pieces that you knew you had to have in place in order to um, compete well? You know, you're the first or you're not the first. You have two choices, right? (laughs) You're either the first one in a, you know, so if you're not the first, what made you want to compete in this market? And like, and, and what differentiates you? Um, and I, and I truly believe that um, stock photos are, can be really useful when someone is just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to a trade show, I've got nothing, right? I understand where, I understand where that comes from. But I'd almost rather have someone put a graphic in than a stock photo because stock mm-hmm. photos are just, they, feel, they have a feeling that is very, um, I don't know. I think it makes more sense to go crawl around outside with your iPhone and take pictures of leaves up close and put those on there. I don't know what I'm saying, but the the point is that it's not yours. I mean, you've yeah. chosen it, but it's not yours. But 
Um, yeah, so the, the story piece. Okay, so not everyone can write stories. You know, I can't, um, I can't rock climb. Um, mm -hmm. I can ride a motorcycle. Um, I can't, I can drive a stick shift. You know, mm -hmm. not everyone can drive a stick shift. So if you can't do the thing that you need to have done, then find people who can help you do it. And then make sure it feels like you. So I have this thing that I, I talk about a lot in the work that I do with people. And sometimes I talk about it inside my head and sometimes I actually let it out. And that's navigating by feel. Does this feel right? Does this feel consistent? Does this feel true? Does this feel mm -hmm. you know, authentic? I hate that word now because everyone's using it. So it starts to make, it's like, everyone's authentic. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, but but the the tr the true meaning of authenticity matters, right? Yeah. So you know, get help, get help. Just you know, ask for help, find somebody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a professional. It can be, and if you can afford it, it should be. But even then, you can end up in a genericism that's very uncomfortable. So you need to find people who are willing to tell you, you know, help you tell your story in your yeah. voice. You know, so I think that's that's probably that piece that matters most to me. Um, and okay. So if I go to the gap, like there's this clothing store online gap or old Navy or whatever, I, I go there because they had cheap clothes, but now I go there because they have this huge thing that they're talking about in terms of inclusivity, not only in terms of size and shape, but also different artists are doing limited runs of stuff they're doing. They're doing much more that suddenly make this feel instead of totally generic. I'm just there for the cheap clothes to, oh my gosh, they're doing something important that matters to me. So they've hooked me from in a different way. Now that's not necessarily their initial story, but they were smart enough to start to think about what matters to people now and adjust. So that's another piece that I would be aware of as a company, like what do people care about right now? And what, can, what are we in alignment with in that space for real, for true, like what are we doing? Not just saying, what are we doing in that space? And then bring that into the messaging so that people, so it's not just, oh, we do that too. You know, hashtag mm -hmm. DEI. I was like, okay, so how many people on your <laughs> on your <laughs> staff are actually, you know, that look different than the, um, the founder? Just, you know, curious. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. Especially uh, stand out from the rest. You know, when uh, yeah. when I get yeah. new clients and they tell me I want to steal uh, traffic and sales from my competitors, how we can do it? I want to outrank them. Uh, I often reply, we don't need to do it. Really, yeah. don't try to to overcome strong sides of your competitors. If they have strong positions, uh, probably uh, high authority, backlinks, uh, social media accounts, it doesn't matter. They are strong. They build uh, this strong side. Mm -hmm. You have your unique selling proposition. Pay attention with that. Search for their weaknesses, for their gap flows. Even big brands uh, don't cover everything. Yes, they yeah. can cover a lot, but not everything. If uh, far, uh, far away from everything. And uh, they have some priorities and uh, uh, for example you can search for trends uh, or uh, content gap or uh, a lack of quality content many things just spend time create your content strategy and come with that um, it's the same with linkedin you know when um, i started my linkedin journey uh, in 2020 i registered my account and uh, uh, I, I you know i thought about twitter more 
And because all marketers are, are on Twitter, but uh, I got it. No way. How I can compete with them? They have strong positions. But um, then I analyze all social media and found, oh, on LinkedIn, I can get high engagement. And spend time there. Uh, I read all possible articles about LinkedIn marketing. Everything that I, I could find uh, online, on YouTube, on Google. And uh, um, uh, started from generic stuff. I did uh, that everything did and failed, you know, <laughs> for <laughs> months. Then I got it. No way. It's better uh, to do my stuff. Uh, many people can't understand. It's your problem. It's not my problem, you know. Yeah, you're not my follower. But uh, if you uh, be, uh, you know, if you help others, support, if you consistent, if you search for your ways, you can find your following base and uh, keep going with that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with, with your strategy, you know, to, uh, to find your voice and uh, share your story. Okay, let's talk about personalization. How to personalize content uh, on the website? For example, if I have uh, different buying personas, uh, for example, men, women, uh, different ages, uh, uh, how I can personalize for them? Okay, that's so... <laughs> Let that go. <laughs> okay, we need to stop talking about demographics. We need to start to talk about psychographics. What do people oh. want? What do people need? People, people. We have problems we need to solve. Okay, so sometimes I need something. If we're gonna talk about software just for a second, and I'm not a software specialist, so I don't, it's just easier to talk about because everyone has used it even if they don't know they've used it. Okay, <laughs> software, mm -hmm. if we're talking, you're using software. So um, when it comes to software, um, sometimes companies want to do everything, right? So they, they have this huge option. You can do this, you can do that. We have 16 tiers of, you know, access and it's these just giant pieces of software. Sometimes you can be incredibly successful doing one small thing really, really, really well. I would suggest that the companies that are doing the big stuff for the big, whatever, the, hey, the huge, the whatever, you know, let a company, um, upload their logo so that every time they go on there they see themselves right they see themselves mm -hmm. literally their logos up there that that's really nice okay but all the users in the company don't need to see themselves because you know marketing at blah 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 dot com who whose picture are we gonna use you know no <laughs> but the, putting a logo up there you know for the company that's using it that's beautiful if you are doing something that's a little bit more nichey right, or very personal, a fitness trainer or a um, food tracker or something like that, and you gather their information as part of your, um, you know, as their registration experience, that thing that happened to me with, you know, you're doing it or welcome back, not shaming, no shaming, we do not do the shaming, there's no shaming, about time you came back, you know, where have you been, eating potato chips, you know, <laughs> so don't want that, what you want is to feel welcome, and so I, you know, either do nothing or hi, Kate, you know, mm -hmm. this was the last file you had open. Do you want to start there? Are you starting something new? It really depends. You don't want to get in the way of the person getting their work done. Yeah. But if and, you have a second while something's loading, go ahead and say hi, mm -hmm. Kate. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time uh, I listened to audio podcast uh, with Tim Solo, uh, mm -hmm. uh, head of marketing HRS, and he told that he uh, can't create a buying persona for HRS. <laughs> uh, he, he, yeah, he, he, he replied that uh, all marketing books proclaim you need to create a buying persona, oh, but God. he can't, he can't, yeah. and yeah, at that point you can 
be yourself, you know, if you can't create the buying persona. I think it's important for pay-per-click, for paid marketing. Yeah, it's important because you should uh, to craft right. uh, your campaigns. Uh, and uh, if you try to cover a broad audience, you can fail uh, because... Yeah, because uh, you will compete with many other companies. Today, mm-hmm. it's hard to get uh, $2 back after investing $1 in pay-per-click. Uh, that's why it's better uh, to spend time with creating buying persona and to try to cover uh, broad audience if you have this audience. But uh, it's better to pay attention with uh, a buying persona. But for organic reach, I think it's better to be yourself, you know, <laughs> and don't care if uh, someone... Uh, tell that you need to create your buying persona. No way, you know, you can create. Okay, let's talk about um, simplicity. For example, uh, Albert Einstein uh, once uh, shared uh, that you should create everything uh, simple as possible, uh, but ma- uh, but not simpler, if I remember correctly this quote. Yeah, and you know, I think this, uh, it's very important even today uh, more than in his time, uh, because uh, 76% of customers open websites and leave it for a few seconds because uh, uh, they don't they don't understand your content. And uh, fr- from my experience, I often see websites that try to copy Amazon, Facebook, <laughs> but Amazon sells a billion products. If you don't sell billion products why you need to copy amazon and uh, um, uh, i uh, once i asked one of the master why you submitted a lot of products on uh, on home page he replied i want to sell all of, all of them but uh, customers hate it you know uh, open apple.com just mm-hmm. iphone 11 or, or uh, iphone 13 yeah, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i only have 11 <laughs> yeah. i have 12 <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I usually change uh, one time uh, in two years, but <laughs> I have no time with that. <laughs> yeah, my and, other one died. What can I do? Sorry, 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 yeah. Apple. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. Uh, I like uh, Apple.com because it's simple. It's simple to use. Okay. Uh, you can see only iPhone in the first visible screen. And mm-hmm. Apple uh, doesn't try to sell all products, uh, MacBook, uh, uh, iTunes, many, many, many products, uh, AirPods, uh, Apple Watch, you know, uh, because uh, they know that iPhone brings 70% of all sales. Yes, simple. Uh, and um, tell your insights about simplicity. How to simplify content that you have? Okay, so I have two thoughts. One is if you are going to a website that you've already been to, like Apple.com, um, it makes sense that they put their best-selling thing, their newest, latest, shiny thing up front, whatever. Mm-hmm. If I have done a search engine search for something and I have written um, laptops, you know, as my search term, and then I click through to Apple and it shows me an iPhone, I actually get pissed off because I was looking for laptops. So then I have to look all over their website to try and find the laptops when that's when I put in my search term. So this is one of those places where people like you, I don't know which way you're going to be in this, so I'm just going to point people like you. <laughs> can probably help clients a lot um, because what you want is for them not to have to search for the thing that they just searched for. For goodness sakes, I mean, you just searched for it. You know, go find it. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of put that in front, if po- you know, if possible. Um, that being said, um, I think there's beauty and simplicity. I think again, using human language. Oh, please, just human language, and if it's 
at all possible, describe the problem that you're solving with the language that you're using. So if, for instance, what you are is a, um, if your products solve interoperability issues, you have a this, you have a that, they don't talk to each other, then say our products solve interoperability issues. Now, interoperability is a heck of a word, okay? So that's an awful word. But if your two things don't talk to each other, we can fix that. Keep going. You know, hmm. if you're this and you're that, don't talk, keep going. Then it's like, we can do that. And then keep going. And then just expand the story as you go down the page, right? So, but catch the problem, the, the most frequent problem or the best, you know, the most used feature up front. And then build the story as you go down the page. There's this thing called above the fold that used to make sense when everyone was on computers and no one was on phones. Remember those days? You're probably not old enough. Back in the day, before <laughs> we used to have computers instead of like tablets and cell phones. And so there was this thing called above the fold and it came from newspapers, right? So in the old days, newspapers came folded and there was the stuff on the front page above the fold. And then the, when you, sorry, when you unfold the paper, there's stuff down here that was less important. So what you wanted was all the stuff that was important to be on the top. That's where the headline is, headline. Headline, eye catcher, headline. Mm -hmm. So that's where you want all of your most important information to be, right? The thing, the thing simply stated, even if the question is, have you ever wondered if there's a solution for X question mark? And you're like, yes, I have wondered. I'm wondering now, scroll down. And then you can, so there's some ways to do it. It all depends on what kind of product you're selling and who you're selling it to. If it's okay with you, Anatoly, I want to go back to the idea of personas for the paid for click thing because okay, sure. um, this feels like a jump, but I, I don't I want to lose my train of thought forever. Um, and that is that there are different reasons why different people at different positions in a company may need to see your content, right? They're validating that you're existing, you've been in existence for long enough so that they're not taking too big a gamble or your price point's good enough so that the gamble's worth it, right? So um, they want to make sure that you're real. Um, somebody else wants to make sure you do what they need. Someone else wants the cool next thing. So that's one of those places where, again, we're talking about sort of the buying persona. It also makes sense almost always now if you're selling to companies rather than individuals who are going to be playing with the stuff at home for their own fun and enjoyment if you're talking about you know b2b you're going to want to include the position of the person in the company when you're positioning your messaging and when you're actually paying to get your stuff in front of people's eyeballs because then you're going to need to talk to them like you will get return on investment in six months Mm -hmm. That matters yeah. to people who yeah. care about money. This will make your sales cycle shorter by three months. That people that you know, this will increase your conversions by blah blah. That include you know that's for marketing. Whatever the thing is, I think it makes a lot of sense to take into account the position of the person that you're putting this stuff in front of, so that you are talking to them, and then use that as part of what you do, which will be positioning it very carefully when you actually create the campaign so that it ends up in front of those people with those titles, with that, you know, with those, I hate the, train, the phrase pain points, but pain points. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> okay, sorry, uh, you, sorry to go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned about human voice. Uh, how to use this human voice? Okay, so basically, if the only thing in the universe, the only people who understand what you're talking about are inside your company. <laughs> because you've <laughs> you've used acronyms you talk about you know or you're using even standard language like in our stand up you know or you know whatever it is that you know the you know agile you know, we have a, we use kanban um we use uh oh my, I just so many different ones. Um, I can't think of any right now, but there's certain types of language and there are certain types of processes that have a word or an acronym associated with it that are used very frequently inside companies as part of their work process. It's how they get things done. If that stuff leaks out into the world as part of their marketing materials, that has to be in front of the right person. So for instance, Kanban, is going to matter to someone who worries about supply chain, and so it's basically making it's basically a, a different form of just-in-time purchasing. So you don't have a whole bunch of stuff in a closet that goes bad while you're waiting to use it. So you know you always have enough, but you never have too much. That's the idea on that one. So it makes much more sense to only use that phrase, for example, when you're talking to people who will understand what that heck that is. Otherwise, it's like what is that like what and you don't want people to spend any time saying what is that unless they think i want to know what that is right unless it unless it intrigues them so the human voice to me is using words that people real people actually use and in the case of selling almost anything to anybody using the words that talk to the actual issue they're trying to solve the process they're trying to improve the feeling they want to have. Um, usually people are so overloaded, especially after this year of working from home. A lot of people have worked many, many more hours than they ever would have at the office because they never go home. They're home. They're already home. When do you stop? You know, do you get up and leave at five when you have just one more thing to do? And then all of a sudden it's seven and you have one more thing to do, and then it's nine and your kids asleep and you miss the whole thing. Okay. So one of the things that I think we're about to turn the corner on is trying to make things more efficient and you know making people's lives easier and then returning to the work-life balance in the context of COVID. Like, how do we make things easier? How do we make it more efficient? Um, it would be really cool if I had a button that just says, start here tomorrow, you know, from wherever I am, start here tomorrow. And so that even if my system crashed, there's a cookie somewhere. <laughs> so that when my thing comes back tomorrow, that's what will be on my screen because that's where I ended. And I don't have to think, oh, where was I yesterday? <laughs> yeah, oh God, where was it yesterday? Um, I think there's going to be a trend towards um, trying to make lives simpler. And I think with that, you need to talk to people about their experience. You're exhausted. You've been working for 24 hours straight, you know? Yeah. Um, talk to people as people. And I think that using, like, I, I get it, or we get it. A company is a, th- is a thing, but it's populated by people. So you can say, we get it. We understand that you don't want to spend four hours doing something you could do in two, or our software could do automatically every day at four o'clock. Think of all the yeah. time it would free up for you to go play with your kid who you, you know, who grew over the summer, just in case you didn't notice, <laughs> you know, where you can talk 
talk like a person to a person, like you would somebody who you're having tea with almost. Um, like acknowledge that this is a challenging time and acknowledge that we want our time back, you know, and we don't want to spend all of our time doing administrative tasks unless we find that meditative and some people do, in which case, God bless those people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just use language. Don't use acronyms. Don't try and sound smart. I think this is one of the other things. Okay, this is a thing. I don't know if you're old enough, again, sorry, to remember Unix. Once upon a time, there was this thing called Unix. It was it was a software language sort of oh god and all I can think of the whole time I was using it at my first first job um, in tech what well it was actually my first real job in tech was whoever created this created it so that they would look like wizards like this was the secret language of wizards like no one else could possibly ever learn this because it was. All it did was reflect the incredible intelligence of the people who created it. And to me, that's like the worst possible scenario. Don't do that. Don't show off how smart you are by being impossible to understand. Show off how smart you are by making the things so simple, it feels like it must have been easy to make. That is when, like, I just got goosebumps. Like, if you can do that, then you've done that, then you've done it. Like make it simple, make it simple to understand, make it simple to use, make it intuitive, and then have help readily available and not have it just be a bot with a FAQ, please. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that uh, I often see boxers, famous boxers, uh, like to proclaim they're smart. <laughs> yeah. In this field, you know, it works in this field <laughs> because they need to tell, ah, I'm smart, you know, uh, especially Tyson Fury. <laughs> he likes to tell, I'm the best orator in the world, you know, in the history of humanity. <laughs> but he's a boxer, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when he got a lot of hits on his face, you know. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's, it's still working. It's still working. Don't worry. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can take yeah. a lot of hits and I can still be smart. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> know, so uh, yeah, I, I like another part. Uh, um, you mentioned about uh, intrigue. You know, uh, mm -hmm. um, when you uh, t uh, told this, um, yeah, I reminded uh, the book from Dale Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends. And he told that you should dramatize your ideas. For example, if you want to tell others uh, that we need to work hard uh, with these ideas, you should dramatize them. Because if oh. you just share boring stuff, oh, look, at we can earn here one million dollars, let's do it. But uh, it doesn't work like this. It's better to intrigue and uh, dramatize. Can you share more insights how to... I don't know, like uh, to to get this uh, intrigue with your customers or dramatize ideas. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Video on on you on um, LinkedIn. Okay, so and have it be on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn doesn't like it when you go other places, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want you to go to other places. This is something I've learned recently. So you can't just post a YouTube thing and have people go to your YouTube thing. They will never show it to anybody. They just don't. Okay, so you're gonna want to have this really short video that. Well, you can also post it on YouTube, so please don't <laughs> hesitate. You know, cross post for gosh sakes, cross post, cross post. <laughs> but don't. But if you're going to put it on LinkedIn, and if, so if you are a company who sells and you're the people who you want to reach are on LinkedIn, put it on LinkedIn and go ahead and do the thing. I have seen some wonderful examples of this. So there's a couple of people who um, do this really well. And oh my gosh, Alex, what's your last name? Alex. Okay. 
I'll try and remember. But he has this thing where he uses two cameras and he plays two different parts. It's hysterical, right? So mm -hmm. one part, he'll be like, um, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like he was trying to explain the difference between Facebook and LinkedIn. And he did it like through this dramatization and it was fantastic. And it was super short, it was great. It was really well written, he's hysterical. It was very effective. So I think that um, like, um, if I were in my own office right now, I'm not, so I'm gonna just make something up. So if, just give me a second, I have a purpose. Okay, <laughs> okay. Take your time. so are you ready? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna like, like <laughs> overvoicing. Have you been in your office for hours trying to find all the receipts that you've ever had? <laughs> you know, our little scanner <laughs> can take all those receipts as soon as you get them, take them out of your wallet, put them through the scanner, they're going to be in your QuickBooks. You know, is that idiotic? Sure. On the other hand, does it dramatize the problem? Yes. Does it make you look kind of foolish? A little. Okay, that one wasn't that great, but I had, you know, four seconds to create it. Um, <laughs> but dramatizing, I mean, it does work because it elite, but if you're going to do it, you either have to do it really well or do it so badly that it's obviously um, parody. Yeah. Don't, don't try and hope that someone's going to wonder if you were being serious or if you were trying to be funny, like either be funny, which I prefer or make sure it's really, really works seriously. <laughs> but for me, humor is human. That's another way to make humanize it. Right. Yeah. Like I, so I'd say, go ahead and do that. The other thing you can do always is animation. Um, be careful. There's so much animation for a while there that it was just really awful. And there's some people who some, do some animation that doesn't look like anybody else's. Find those people. Do stuff that doesn't look like anybody else's. Don't do it yourself using one of those. I'm moving a fake hand and, you know, something shows up. Unless, again, you're using humor or, or that's the best way you've decided to be able to create motion in your video in your beginning and that's fine. Okay, I'm not yeah. criticizing beginning stuff, yeah. but um, but yeah, dramatization is excellent. Video is super smart. Super short videos can really be intriguing, mm -hmm. really intriguing. So I I'd say you know go short form, go funny, um, you know learn more. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> what? What did I just see? Um, one of my um one of my dear friends had a program that he was promoting on LinkedIn and he actually got a super famous rapper from the 1990s to do a, a, a um, promotion piece for, for the mm -hmm. program. And it was fantastic because it was totally unexpected, nothing else like it on LinkedIn at all. And if it was, it was so shockingly different, it was great using music. So some of these companies that um, I'm really interested in right now, um, just because of what they're doing on social media, I think is fantastic. Have some people who like take well-known songs and then rap, for example, you know, sales speak through the whole thing. So, so they're very specifically targeting other salespeople because normal people aren't gonna understand a word they're saying, you know, because the, it's sales speak, tech speak. 
This is where I'm mm -hmm. diverting from my own rule. Always speak human. Okay. Unless you're speaking to another tech person, in which case just make sure yeah, you have yeah. other content. Interesting insights. <laughs> yeah. Valuable. Valuable. But somebody who's, who's playing a banjo or someone who's singing and it's actually good, you know, it, it's good, but it's funny, you know, go ahead. No mm -hmm. one will, I mean, it's just, um, I think that this, the main thing is to stay true to your brand and what you're doing and what you're trying to create and have it not be like a screech across the, you know, like the, the old time record where it's like, what is that thing? That doesn't fit into my experience of this company. Like, what is that? Unless you're announcing a new branding. And then that's a totally different story for another day. Yeah, great, great. Okay, Kate, okay. I, I, have, I have the last question. Last question. Okay. How people can find you, reach out to you, learn more about you? Okay, so um, the simplest way is just to find me on LinkedIn. I'm Kate Johnson 11 because there's like 8 billion Kate Johnsons. I don't have a company page because I find that to be one more layer. It's one more barrier to reaching me, so just reach me there. I'm also on Facebook. Um, harder to find me because there's 8 million k johnsons and i can't remember the last five digits is like 5090 something um you can also find me at um kate hyphen johnson.com so it's a hyphen kate hyphen johnson.com and kate johnson consulting.com so cool cool uh okay guys i'll submit all the links uh, that kate uh, uh mentioned uh in the description below you can find them listen us uh on apple google spotify and thanks a lot for your time yeah it's valuable you know I, i've learned a lot of insights i, I like your humor you know i, I like <laughs> you. your uh, valuable uh tips yeah yeah it's a good episode i love it and thanks a lot for taking this time well thank you so much for having me i had such a good time okay see you <laughs> Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.